I'm your host, Annie Bowles, and this is News Du Jour. Hey, you guys. I hope everyone's week got off to a great start yesterday. I am already super wiped, but what else is new? I'm still trying to kick this cold or whatever it is that we have. So, um, yeah, wish me luck on that. But we have a lot to go over in today's episode. So let's go ahead and jump into the news. So first up, Affirmative action, is it going to stay or is it going to go? Schools like Harvard and Yale have always been elite. It's what they're known for. They're the best of the best. But in a society that has historically closed doors to those with black and brown coloring, the schools set out to actively make room for students of color. Naturally, this came with a lot of side effects. Students being made to feel that they were only chosen for their skin color or still still feeling vastly different from their mostly white peers. That said, it was helping to even the odds. There are both pros and cons to affirmative action. And now it's back on the chopping block at the Supreme Court. This particular case that the court is hearing argues that Asian American students are being subjected to potentially prejudiced admission standards because they are subjective rather than solely based on numbers and testing. But the thing is, when it comes to a school like Harvard, which this case is about, Many of the students have the absolute top scores possible, the top grades possible. So how can you actually differentiate between them? And besides, we know that kids are much more than their grades and their test scores. They are three-dimensional human beings. But this case argues that subjective standards based on things like likability and kindness are unfair and that admissions should be solely based on numbers so that there's no exceptions to the rule. You see, Harvard has in its admissions rules that it can take race into account as a factor to a student's application. They can favor black and Hispanic applicants to help diversify thought and perspective on campus, especially because these students inherently face unique adversity. But this case believes that that's an unfair advantage. But the thing is, there's a lot of precedent for upholding affirmative action, and it is most likely what the court will be looking for. You know, other instances that have already decided that affirmative action is fair and legal. And actually, all of the lower courts that this case had to go through also decided that affirmative action was fair and legal. 
Should they be able, though, to prove this case in court in a succinct way, um, you know, prove that there is a precedent in the past for it and other cases that are similar? It seems like the Supreme Court will likely uphold affirmative action methods just like they have in these lower courts and not rip them open for debate on a national scale. We'll just have to wait and see, though, because this case actually won't be heard until October 2022. Stay tuned. So next up for today, the stock markets are making a nosedive. So the word on Monday for the markets was sell. Investors began absolutely dumping their stocks. The S&P 500 a common way of measuring the stock market, dropped more than 2.3% yesterday alone. And it's dropped about 10% as of late. The last time we saw such a steep decline was back in March of 2020. Now we know what had the market spooked back then, but what about now? Why this sharp drop right when Omicron is plateauing and going downward? Things are looking better. So let's dive into some expert opinions on this. One theory is that since it's expected that the federal government will soon be raising interest rates. You know, raising interest rates tends to have many different ripple effects across the economy that can negatively affect the stock market. So some people think that's why everyone is selling en masse. Others are guessing that the shift has more to do with tensions between Ukraine and Russia. The world is worried about potential for war, and so it doesn't really feel like a great time to be taking risks, and people are trying to pull their money out, play it safe, and place their money in a high-yield savings account or something similar to protect those funds. That said, none of this really seems to make a whole lot of sense given this grave of a drop, and it's likely that there is some FOMO going on and a sense of following the herd creating this steep decline. We should know whether that's the case pretty soon here. Meanwhile, though, there's actually another heated conversation going on about stock trading. Should Congress even be allowed to trade stocks? So Congress is privy to a lot of important information that the average American just is not. A lot of stuff happens behind closed doors, and we don't get to hear about it until much later. Thus, a lot of people are saying no. Congressional representatives have a leg up, and they should not be able to invest in specific stocks and trade them, but they can participate in the overall stock market and invest in it generally because of the nature of their job. This debate is really coming into focus right now, so it's something that people around you at work or at the dinner table might have an opinion on, and it is certainly an interesting question. Just wanted to toss it out there, you guys, so you can be aware of this big, bigger debate that's going on about whether congressional representatives should be trading stocks. And for our final story today, the culture wars continue. Sarah Palin is suing the New York Times. 
So remember Sarah Palin, the woman who ran alongside John McCain in 2008 in the presidential election and lost to President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden? Well, she was governor of Alaska, if you remember, and now she is suing the New York Times over something they wrote about her and then retracted as it was factually inaccurate. But Palin seems to think that this was more than just an error, that it had some deliberate malice behind it. She is suing the media giant for damage done to her reputation in the process. But the big question is, did it do any damage? What exactly did it do to her? What did she lose from it? That's what she will be expected to prove in court is that it did her some harm. But what's really on the line here is the press's ability to make an error. So in this instance, the man who wrote an editorial, by the way, article about Sarah Palin drew a comparison between her political rhetoric and a mass shooting in Arizona that killed six and wounded 14, one of which was Gabrielle Giffords, who was at the time an active member of Congress. And while this was an editorial, so it's an opinion piece, what the author was stating was stated as a fact. And that's what Palin is seeking to hang her hat on. Now, the Times argues that this one author got in trouble later again. It was like, go for, from their staff for these types of errors. That's kind of a him problem instead of a New York Times problem. Once the error was brought to his attention, it was corrected within mere hours of being posted, and he acknowledged wrongdoing in his emails to other staff members about it. He seemed to feel bad about it. But in order for Palin to prove her case, she will have to prove in court that this was a deliberate act of malice, that this author sought to defame her by telling a deliberate lie, and that it caused her harm. The New York Times argues that this was human error made due to time constraints and oversight and that they would have never published this article the way it was had they realized that error beforehand. Ultimately, it will be up to a jury to decide who is more believable here. And with juries, you never really know what you're going to get. So stay tuned. And that is the news du jour. Today, I wanted to leave you guys with the quote, be who you are, say what you feel, because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron of our podcast. For $7.99 a month, you can unlock tons of perks like breaking news text messages so that you're never out of the loop. Tons of bonus episodes are already up there ready for you to binge and a discussion board full of networking opportunities and much more. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash sugar-free media today to become a patron. This is the best way to support our show. Our patrons make news du jour possible. But a couple other ways to support our podcast are rate and review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen, share on your social media, you have influence, 
Tell your friends, family, and colleagues that you love News Du Jour and why you listen. You can also follow us on social media under sugarfreemedia.co on Instagram, just sugarfreemedia, all one word on TikTok, and sugarfree underscore media on Twitter. We also have a weekend newsletter called Dreamers Digest that's full of dreamy content recommendations for your weekend and a life update from yours truly. Sign up today on our website, www.sugarfreemedia.co. Our music is by Joey Lavoie and Nicholas Foster. Our cover art is by Hannah Pierce Photography. Our Sugar Free Media logo is by Katherine Jezik Designs. Any twinkling or little footsteps you might hear in the background are by my dog, Rhett. He's a rescue pup and always records with me. We appreciate you listening and look forward to telling you about the news again next time on News Du Jour. Broadcasting from... Oh. Oh.